You're listening to The Fully Occupied Show, presented by Occupier. Hey everybody, we're back with another episode of Fully Occupied. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, today we are joined by a influencer, Gordon Lamphere. He is uh, a top 150 Twitter influencer in the commercial real estate space. Uh, he is a seventh generation uh, real estate practitioner uh, based out of the Chicagoland area. Uh, Gordon started off his career in law, quickly pivoted back into the family business of real estate, uh, and he noticed that real estate operators, real estate service providers, brokers, property managers do a really poor job of marketing themselves. It's a very word of mouth type of business. Uh, So Gordon decided to lean really hard into social media marketing uh, and he's built himself a huge following. I think he has 17,000 LinkedIn followers. Uh, So make sure to follow Gordon uh, if you're interested in hot takes in the commercial real estate space. But Gordon is going to break us down his whole approach towards uh, publishing content Uh, why it's important for individuals and also firms to have a strong social media presence. Enjoy this one. Thanks. Hey, Gordon. How you doing? Thanks for joining the show. Hey, good to be on the show. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, Well, let's, uh, we'll get into the uh, crux of the conversation with respect to social media and commercial real estate, but uh, why don't you introduce yourself for the, for the audience here today? So I'm uh, Gordon Lanthier. I grew up uh, in the industry. Uh, I've been in and around the industry since I was probably seven or eight years old. Um, One of the things that I originally thought was, oh, man, I don't want to be part of the commercial real estate industry. Uh, Ended up going away to law school, uh, decided that I disliked law, definitely didn't want to do it. And when I came back home after uh, graduating, I said, hey, you know what? Maybe I'll try this commercial real estate uh, thing again. And I just absolutely loved it. One of the things, though, that I noticed when I got back to the industry was things hadn't really changed that much in the industry, particularly some of the processes that we do, uh, some of the uh, stuff we do around social media, advertising, marketing, and just management in general. Um, And so we were definitely overdue for a a prop tech evolution and social media evolution. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, tell us a little bit about your company. What, what are the, some of the services that you guys provide? I know, I know that brokerage is, is one of them, but it might not be the core of everything that you guys do. Yeah, so I'd say uh, primarily we originally started out as a property management group. Uh, we've been in business since 1879. Uh, that gives us a, a pretty solid foothold in Chicagoland. Uh, in our county, we're probably the largest property management group, um, which is a county, you know, when you talk about counties, we have you know, 1.5 million people that live in this county. So it's as large as a lot of metro areas. And then um, beyond that, uh, our brokerage platform has really grown, particularly in the last five years. Uh, and that includes um, kind of all the color counties, DuPage, uh, North Cook, uh, Lake, uh, McHenry, and then we're even going down into Kane as well. And kind of as we've grown, um, being a full service firm that gives us the ability to provide a plethora of, of services and really, really help out our clients from a broader perspective. Yeah. So I imagine selling property management services, marketing yourselves as brokers, advising clients, um, you know, there's in being in, you know, a non-core market, you might be challenged to, you know, uh, kind of 
exert your brand outside of, you know, the, the boundaries of those counties. So like, I would imagine that your social media presence and your strategy is kind of central to how you guys bring business into the firm. Like talk a little bit about that decision that you made to like really double down on that and, and what some of the outcomes have been. Yeah. So uh, we started out kind of as when I got here about five or six years ago as the biggest fish in a small pond. And that's good in a lot of ways in terms of property management where folks know they're going to get quality service. But in terms of getting new clients, it's going to be a real challenge. So what we try to do is we try to evolve our practice by expanding originally. And originally that was through, um, you know, uh, Google, Facebook ads, um, uh, sign ads, basically any way that you could market in general. And we discovered that really that's not the best way to advertise. You pay a lot for a pretty low quality lead typically. And what we decided instead was as a group is we need to find a different way. And so it became very clear that the move forward was to improve our brand using social media. Um, and uh, that meant that you have to provide valuable content. You have to provide um, not just adver advertisements. Nobody wants to just see ads nonstop on their social yeah. media feed. And um, we really changed that platform around and we really grew our business pretty substantially, at, at least in the last three years. And, and so what are some of the platforms that um, you leverage for that? Is, is it is it Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, et cetera? Yeah. So I'd say right now uh, our biggest platform is LinkedIn. Um, that's where we get probably the majority of our traffic, probably around 50%. Uh, the next platform that we really use is we really use um, Twitter, actually. Um, it's We find it's easier to target individuals that are uh, decision makers on Twitter. Um, the next platform that's probably down the list, maybe Instagram or uh, Facebook. But honestly, I, I'm not that great on that platform yet. Um, and then um, we've explored potentially getting onto TikTok, uh, but I'm not sure if my dancing moves are that yeah, great yet. Say, you gotta, you gotta, yeah. you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take some dancing <laughs> lessons before you get on TikTok. Hey, that's what my wife wants me to go on to is TikTok, and I'm like, honey, I, I can't dance. So. <laughs> not your vibe. Um, cool. So you've got all these channels that you use. Like what, like what, what are the differences between them? Cause I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and I agree you have to provide really high valuable educational content to stand out as a thought leader, but that's not necessarily going to be like, someone's going to click on your, 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 your post and ask for your business, give yeah. you their business. Right. So like, what is like, what, what is the ultimate goal, I guess, for having that presence? Well, I think there's it, a lot of it depends on your strategy, right? I know you had, um, Natalie uh, Wainwright on uh, your podcast uh, yep. earlier, and, and she kind of has this philosophy. And we, we, Natalie and I have talked um, of like omnipresence and, and getting um, getting kind of your presence everywhere. That's kind of one strategy. The other strategy that we'll try to apply is we'll try to apply a strategy that's uh, uniquely targeting kind of the needs of certain uh, major decision makers. So we'll talk about management topics that relate to property management. Like, hey, uh, a good example is, for example, today I posted about uh, manufacturing in uh, this new economy and how new flexible labor strategies exist. And I actually had someone reach out to me and say, uh, message me like, are, are your clients using flexible, you know, labor strategies in manufacturing or are any of the people in your park doing it? And just getting topics out there that are of value that um, actually materially help folks that are decision makers is really what I think drives most of the quality content in social media. 
because anybody can go out there and say, oh, you know, it's hard leasing space in the office market right now, or, oh, it's, you know, the industrial market is really hot. That doesn't really provide real value. And um, you want to provide something that's uh, emotional content that someone's going to click on and interact with, and then also provide some sort of value as part of it. Yeah, I always get baffled when I look through my LinkedIn feed and I see a ton of brokers. I was a broker um, and I was probably guilty of this back in the day is just like posting a market update or some stats. And, you know, here's the deals that I've done recently. And it's like, what value is that really adding people, adding to people's life? Because if you think about the decision makers that are making a real estate decision, yes, the, the, the location, the lease terms, all of that are important, but those are really being driven by, you know, issues within their business that they're trying to solve. So I think that like you're onto something because there's, there's a layer that's a level deeper than the actual transaction in real estate that is driving what people like care about. Right. And yeah. it, it, in, in like, I don't want to belabor this topic, but the return to the office in like the post pandemic working world has just been brutally beaten, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> into the ground as the topic that everyone <laughs> wants to talk about. And I think, it's drowned out everything else, which is like a business is unique. They have very specific things that they're trying to solve within their company. And, you know, the net result of it might be real estate. But if you can catch like a CFO or a CEO's attention through an article about, you know, labor strategies or something like that, that just differentiates you from the regular broker out there who's, you know, putting out the uh, quarterly market overview. Yeah, I mean, everything is about, uh, and, and the sad thing about social media content is it's all about finding a balance between something that's emotionally charged, that uh, charged that really touches on kind of the basest animal instincts that we have, um, and creating nuanced, complex, um, uh, meaningful content. And it's all about trying to find that balance that's somewhere on that content spectrum. Um, I usually go more for nuance, but you always want every piece of content to be something that's something that's emotionally critical or valuable to the industry, because otherwise you can say the most brilliant piece about oh, how the market's changing or an incredible statistic and no one's going to care. So it's all about finding that balance, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I've been seeing a lot of more like baby pictures being posted on LinkedIn and I'm like, is this clickbait for me to like say, oh, like what a cute baby. And then like you read the article or something, but it's just, I, I agree with you. Like it's, it's almost kind of like the dark side of social media, whereas you're, you're appealing to that animal instinct of, of people. And, you know, we could talk for hours about, you know, the, the detrimental effects of social media on like, you know, teenagers and stuff like that. But in the business world, it's the same thing, right? People yeah. are looking, people are looking to connect with something. And, and, you know, see the genuine emotion that comes out of it. And if you could then tack on something that's like insightful and educational for them, then they'll start following you. And I've noticed that you have over 17,000 followers on LinkedIn. So you must be doing something right. Yeah. I mean, so there's a lot of people that will definitely put more provocative content out on LinkedIn. And sometimes you get more followers for that. Um, I don't have the privilege of doing that, being from a small firm where right now my personal brand is probably as big as our company brand right now. And so I can't put provocative content out there because <laughs> I don't have a brand to fall back on. Um, but at the same time, uh, it gives us a real opportunity to create that brand and kind of create a brand that, that's, hey, we're problem solvers. We understand that you have a lot of emotional pressures that 
are going to eventually maybe long-term drive uh, a sales narrative or a narrative in terms of a, a property management narrative. Um, and this is a little nuanced piece of information or an indicator that's changed in the market that you might find, you know, emotionally provocative to, to, a, to a small degree. And then based on that, I'll try to have a, a, a nuanced conversation, maybe three to six lines below it. And yep. that's kind of how I format most of my ads. And it's, um, it's an ad in the sense that it's an ad, hey, look at me. But beyond, hey, look at me, I'm providing meaningful content. And yeah. uh, that's kind of how we do most of our uh, strategy. Tactically, like how, how did you learn all this stuff? Did you go out and just do it yourself or were you able to find um, consultants, people to help you kind of guide your strategy? Like if I was starting from day one and I liked what you heard, like how would I go about implementing something myself? So um, the dirty secret is I think residential brokers have been doing this really well for about 10 years. Um, yeah. And we are just way behind in the commercial That's industry. Gen generally <laughs> around everything in commercial real estate, yes. So yeah. what I did is I went out and I bought a bunch of books on uh, how residential brokers uh, market themselves um, and dug through it and tried to compress it into a uh, commercial viewpoint, right? There's a lot of stuff we can't do because we're commercial agents and a lot of stuff that we can do because we're commercial agents. So I, that's what we really focused on. It was um, sadly because we're a pretty lean firm. I didn't really do it during business hours. I had a lot of Saturdays and Sunday afternoons um, yeah. working on it, but um, it really helped grow the business ultimately and, and affect the bottom line. And that's kind of the method I took. The other thing that's great uh, that people don't talk about is the real estate community in general. If you're not in their pond, um, people really don't care that much about sharing secrets. So I reached out to a lot of people from other markets that were from small firms, and I got a lot of help over the years. Like people yeah. are a lot nicer in Twitter DMs than you would think, uh, well, particularly. Especially if, especially if they're you know, sympathetic to that like position that you're in, which is like, I'm a, I'm, an, I'm a smaller shop. I have to get my word out there. And so this is a great way for me to connect with people, right? Yeah. And, and look, I mean, the industry has been huge for me. Um, I have to be absolutely humble and say like, look, I was not the one that pioneered this. There, there are so many people that came before me and all I did was ask and admit, hey, I don't know anything. I'm an idiot. And people were willing to help. So, yeah. um, and, and some for literally zero financial gain. So yeah. look, uh, uh, I know like, uh, Natalie Wainwright and, um, Ken Ashley and Coy Davidson, a lot of those folks talk about the CRE fam and that whole idea. There is a tremendous family in the CRE industry that will really help you if you reach yeah. out and you're home. Does it matter if you're at a large or small firm? Because I think there might be a stigma to, to, over marketing yourself when you're at like a big, you know, publicly traded global firm. Like I tried it back in like 2010 <laughs> when I was at JLL and people looked at me like I was like crazy. Like, what are you, what are you doing on Twitter and LinkedIn, like talking about stuff? And I'm sure, you know, other guys like would walk down the hall and just snicker like, Oh, you know, that's not how you get business. Like, what are, what are you doing? And, and it was like one of these things that I bet is pretty uncomfortable for people to like, you know, get out of their own skin, you know, their own, their own broker suit and like actually be a human being on the internet. It might, it, 
was that uncomfortable for you initially to try to like, you know, when yeah. you started getting started? Yeah. So, um, as my, as my wife always says, she's like, you are not a, um, a, a super out there kind of person, but you do it because you have to do it. Yeah. Um, uh, I am definitely not an extrovert. Um, I, if it were up to me and in another profession, I'd probably be a computer coder in a dungeon somewhere, just pounding away. Playing um, Minecraft. <laughs> yeah. And so um, for me, uh, basically the original probably two or three months on LinkedIn was just, and on Twitter too, uh, and Facebook was just screaming into a void, right? Yeah. You get out there and you're just, hey, look at me, look at this content. And there's all sorts of content. You don't know what you're doing originally. Your content is terrible nobody's clicking on it and you're just trying to figure out like okay how do i do this uh how do i provide meaningful content that's also you know emotionally appealing or has um something that will drive traffic to it and you learn and i would say this look the first three to six months that you're on social media it's it's terrible but you have to do it right (laughs) and like that's the world we're in um, you have to scream out into the void and eventually the void will scream back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think, you know, sometimes it could take even longer than that. Um, but it's interesting. Like once you, I don't know, the go viral or you've, it's clicked and you've reached a certain number of followers, then I would imagine it's got a compounding type of yeah. effect. Have you seen that? Yeah. So I remember the first time I had a piece trend on LinkedIn. Uh, where, you know, they had, they started doing the trending page and like, mm-hmm. I was maybe at this point, I maybe had like six or 7,000 followers and thought I was like a super big shot. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, I trended and I got like 3,000 followers in a month, right. Of people coming in and really participating in my content and got maybe that one, one post I made had almost a hundred thousand views like in a week, right? What was it? What, what were you talking it was about? A, I posted about Blackstone and um, uh, the way in which they were doing um, marketing and how it would affect commercial uh, labor forces in all sorts of communities, which which is true, it, it has. Um, but because it was a emotional topic, it was nuanced enough, it like it fit the formula perfectly at what came from, you know, uh, uh, an article from the Wall Street Journal. So it was credible. Like it, it, there's like a very specific formula you use for everything to try to, you know, go viral on LinkedIn. And it fit all those perfectly to the point where it was just like, this is huge, right? And like, I'd say maybe once a month I'll trend on LinkedIn and it'll get like, you know, 15 to 20 to 30,000 views in like a week, right? Of just like uh, unique individual views. And then like, that's great. And that's probably, those are probably the moments where you get probably the most um, out of market content in terms of people sending in referrals or people sending in potential business. Um, It's not always necessarily the most long-term profitable, but Mm -hmm. that's, I think there's like a very specific formula to how you trend on LinkedIn. And I don't think people think of it that way. Yeah, I haven't quite figured it out yet myself, but like there's definitely a formula there because I'll post something and it'll get like a very small amount of engagement and then I'll do 
something right somehow and then it'll be like boom <laughs> like every every you know you get yeah you get like 100 followers in a week or something yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's crazy so i haven't figured out the algorithm but i know they've changed it a couple times oh, over, so, over over the years right yeah so it used to be really like about 18 months ago it used to be super easy to trend like there was like a very specific formula to the point where i i like my wife would joke she's like oh you're trending like you know, every, every seven or eight days. Right. You're an influencer. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, but then they were like, okay, people have figured this out. So (laughs) (laughs) now there's a human element to it, which I think is way smarter. So LinkedIn goes and and now they have a human element where they'll decide like, okay, this piece should trend, this piece shouldn't trend. And so sometimes content that's much more nuanced and and meaningful and um, insightful will trend instead of just purely emotionally driven content. And I think it's improved the platform drastically, but it's certainly, you know, much harder to trend because you actually have to be insightful rather than, you know, drive much more emotionally driven content. Are you, are you pumping out content daily at this point? So what I do, and I wake up every morning and I look at uh, industry trends for about 30 minutes. Um, and that's read read through probably, it's about 25 major journals that I have a program that I've used to aggregate them and and say, okay, what's the, the real estate content from here? And then 25 local journals. And it'll pump out maybe depending on the time of year, 20 to 100 articles that I'll stream through. And then I'll understand based on those articles, um, what's going on in the industry. And then based on that, I'll put out content if I think one of the pieces will meet my criteria that I've established. So it's like very, it's very data driven. Um, And that's kind of how I do things. I'm a very a data-driven person and our brokerage practice and everything. And and that is, I think, the major method to how I think operating as an influencer, at least an influencer who wants to be nuanced and an influencer who really wants to provide value beyond the emotional content uh, should put out content. And there's the sad thing too about our industry in particular is most decision makers will use LinkedIn on very specific periods of the day too. Mm-hmm. So to provide that level of content during those periods um, means that you have to um, basically understand what you're putting out, you know, for those specific time periods, right? So like 10 to uh, 11 p.m. Central Time is, or, or sorry, a.m. Central Time, or like three to four in the afternoon uh, central time are like the money periods, right? Where, where, right. where pieces will trend because people are, you know, sitting down after getting work done on the East coast or waking up on the West coast. And that's when you get your big volume. Yeah. Um, and so you have to be like very timely. It's just like people talk about warm calling or cold calling in the industry. There are time periods where you call and there are time periods where you don't call. Right. And that's one of the things that people have really, um, They've undervalued, I'd say. Yeah. Are you preparing this content days in advance, or are you are you like you're you're curating your ideas, your thoughts, and then you're you're finding a topic, and then are you sitting down and then like hammering out a post, or are you scheduling these things ahead of time? So I'm trying to be relevant, and so I never really post outside of about 24 hours from when content yeah. comes out. Um, yeah. And look, I, I think on Twitter there are a lot of people. Twitter's a totally different platform, right? So Twitter, I think people will post content like in threads that they've really 
uh, created long term. Um, mm-hmm. For LinkedIn, I think most of the content that there's a major piece that's dropped or there's new information or a new economic indicator. And people in the industry want to know, particularly people who are your COOs, your CFOs who are looking at space or your investors want to know how that's going to affect their segment of the industry. And you have to be able to provide content within that 24 hour news cycle, kind of in those peak periods. Yeah. And besides that, it doesn't really matter what you post because it's not going to get out there. Yeah. And it's going to, it's like the 24 hour news cycle too, right? Like after 24 hours, like it's old news. <laughs> you have to yeah. be relevant. Like there's new stuff coming out every day. So if you're posting something that's like three days old, yeah, like no one's going to read it. And, and you see a lot of that content pop up on LinkedIn and it's like, it's got one like, right. And someone will come up to me in the industry who's trying to do it and be like, Hey, you know, like, how are you getting your content out? And it's like, it's, it's a process. Like you can't yeah. just like wake up and read the Wall Street Journal that night and pump out something that's day old news. Yeah, 100% agree. Well, Gordon, this has been a masterclass on uh, how to become a social media influencer in commercial real estate. Um, we could probably, probably <laughs> write a mags I'm just going to wait for your book to come out. Um, let's, uh, let's transition to the uh, rapid fire questions here. We got we got five minutes. We can uh, give you a minute per question. Uh, and these are just uh, some off the cuff answers. Um, and I'm going to go into question number one right now. Uh, what is your favorite pizza topping? Oh, uh, that'd be Jardinera. Um, I know that's a wild out there pizza topping, but um, Chicago, and I know you're, you're a Boston guy, right? Yeah, yeah. So deep dish pizza is big in Chicago. And there's a place, Donati's, that's in our neighborhood that does phenomenal Italian beef and um, Jardinera uh, pizza, kind of like your your, your real full Italian uh, pizza topping, and it's it's phenomenal. So, have you seen the Bear? I have seen the Bear. My wife and yeah. I love that show. Yeah. yeah, I can't wait for season two to come. Oh out. no, that's, I mean, phenomenal actors. Great. Yeah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's bingeable though. You got to be careful there. You could find yourself like, you know, locked in your room watching TV for 24 straight hours, but anyways. it made me both want to and not work in a kitchen at the yeah, same time. Exactly. <laughs> uh, what's one thing you like to do outside of work? So, um, my wife and I, um, have started sailing together. So I grew up, I was actually a, a national champion in the men's heavyweight Olympic dinghy. Um, I was, nice. uh, yeah, I, uh, I was a pro for a little bit of time, um, and I uh, decided to totally not do that, and I got a basically a full ride to law school, and that's what brought me into the industry. Um, so I love sailing with my wife. Um, it's a way that I can be marginally competitive, but really get to spend some time with my spouse. So Nice, nice. Um, question number three, um, if you were able to be reincarnated as an animal, <laughs> what animal would it be? Um, so I'm going to steal probably my wife's animal, which is the orca whale. Um, and the reason why is they're so social, they have like these complex societies. They almost operate like people in terms of they have, you know, family networks and it's really cool. And also I love the water. So to experience the water from a different perspective would be really cool. Yeah. You're also at the top of the food chain too. I mean, I, I think <laughs> yeah. I've seen some videos recently of like uh, killer whales, like attacking great white sharks. So. Yeah, I'd hate you to know. be like a bug or something like that. that would... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very short lifespan. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, question four. If you were stranded on a tropical island or a desert island, uh, what were two things that you'd want to bring with you? Uh, so I've been watching a lot of Alone recently. Uh, it's a great way to wind down. 
Um, and uh, I would say like a fair rod or like a fire starter. I, I think unless you have that, you have to be very skilled at, at getting a fire going. And the second thing is a book on boat building because I would love to get off of the island. There's no way that I yeah. I could I the could, manual. I, yeah. yeah, just give me a manual on boat building. I took celestial nav. Um, I, I could probably get home. Just just give me a boat. Boat and fire. That's all you need. <laughs> um, and our last standard question here: uh, Who are two people you think that we should invite on this show next? Yeah. So. Um, First of all, uh, there's a group that we've worked with on a lot of projects, um, Manhard. Uh, they're Manhard Consulting. They do a phenomenal amount of industrial development in uh, Middle America, everything from Dallas up uh, up up through Chicagoland. Uh, there's a guy, Jim D. D. Alexander, there, um, who's uh, he's great, um, and he would really give a, a unique insight into what's going on in the you know, industrial and industrial development industry, which is so hot right now. Um, then actually there's a girl I went to law school with who also decided that she didn't want to be a lawyer. Um, uh, Lydia Winkler, she runs a company called Rent Check. She's their COO. Uh, it's a really cool company about, um, deals with residential development and uh, uh, residential uh, property management where they basically uh, protect uh, both renters and um, investors and managers through uh, a, a, a deposit check system. And I think that'd be a really cool guest to have on. Cool. Well, awesome. Gordon, thanks. This has been awesome. I appreciate your time. Okay. I learned a lot. I'm, I, hopefully our listeners uh, start to embark on becoming uh, social media influencers themselves, but uh, love your content. I'm going to keep following. Hey, Matt, I, I love your podcast. I, I, I love listening. So thanks. All right, Gordon. Take care, man. Thank you. Thank you.